Welcome to BBC's weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired, challenged and encouraged by this week's speaker. For previous messages, go to our website at ballamvineyard.org or subscribe via iTunes or SoundCloud. Last week, we, we gave, if you were here, we gave everyone a leather band. Uh, who's wearing them? People wearing them? Yeah, great, great. And we're, we're just praying, we're just tying knots in the leather band and praying for friends and family, work colleagues, people that we know in our community. And uh, we've got some somewhere. So uh, Marie's going to come down. Uh, just during, during the talk, just grab a leather band and think about one or two, three people that are near and dear to you that you want to pray for. It might be that there's an issue going on. And so each knot represents a person to, to pray for. So grab a band, and they're great for kids as well. So the children are going to do that today. Uh, later on, they're going to come in. All the children are going to come in. Um, so, so do that as they, they pass around. Um, why don't you open up your Bibles to... Uh, you're going to need quite a few fingers. Uh, we're going to look at Isaiah 61. Uh, possibly Isaiah 6 and possibly Acts 2. So uh, if, you've got, if you've got your Bibles, you might want to do that. We, we have our third year anniversary coming up next week. Can you believe it? Three years. Uh, which is utterly exciting, incredibly humbling. And I just wanted to go over a few highlights of this year. Uh, and again, this isn't an, obviously an exhaustive list, but um, I just wanted to, as I've been thinking about this last week, of some of the highlights that I've had, observations that I've had over this last year, things that I've really appreciated. Um, just that the one thing that continues to be an anthem of this church is seeing people's lives transformed by Jesus. Yeah. There's nothing better than that. I don't think we'll ever cease to be in wonder and highlighted by what the Lord is doing. When, when God touches a person's lives, it, you know, you can spend hours with a person, hours and hours and hours uh, with an individual, and in one second or one moment, when God encounters uh, that person, it's amazing what God can do in, in, a, in one second. How many of us long for those one seconds? Yeah, one second. Even as I look around the room, sometimes during worship, I'll just... I'll look around and I'll, and I'll see uh, people, people's faces and I'll be reminded of their story. Uh, and again, there's some of their backstory. And again, I don't know everyone's backstory. Um, but I, I remember when that time where, where God did a miracle in your life. Mm-hmm. I remember that time where God utterly changed your life. And as I look around today, I see, I remember those, remember those stories. Uh, I love to hear the stories of when God... Uh, when people meet God and things begin to change and change again and change for good. Uh, for me, it, remain, it means a revival has come. Yes. Revival has come to you and I. Um, Viv and I, our story and our marriage is basically what? We, we were one signature away from divorce. And uh, when you've been that close to divorce, but then in a moment, uh, God touched both of us and turned back our love on towards each other. And we're growing stronger and stronger. Uh, let me just say, you're not 
an accident or an incidental. You're the signature of the Almighty God who's on your life. Yeah, so good. Um, so what God did, did for us on Valentine's Day 10 years ago was amazing. Also, marriage counselling really helps. <laughs> we had a really good session last week. It was amazing. Yeah. Like, hey, we want to have a great marriage. And so we see this, we see this counsellor just because we want to have a great marriage. And I, I said to him, that was actually really good. That was a really good session. It was amazing. Um, I love, I love, I love seeing people's lives that were ravished by an addiction, whether it's to drugs or alcohol, pornography, or whatever they were addicted to, and then God touched their lives, and they're no longer addicted anymore. And many of us have experienced that. These are just some highlights that what God's done in a person and in a people, what God's done once, He can do for you. What God's done through Tabitha. Where she just emptied her. That scene, I just imagined her just getting her purse and just <laughs> chuck it in the offering. I love hearing miracle stories, random stories. Uh, Sarah Blakeney, who was in a supermarket, went up to Jonathan. He's here, I saw Jonathan earlier. Where, where are you, Jonathan? Yeah. When Sarah went up to you and said to you, Jonathan, it said to you, you need to go to church. And you were, okay. <laughs> <laughs> He just turned up like five, six weeks ago. And just seeing God begin to transform you, begin to change you, it's, it's, it's beautiful. Uh, it's what's, what's the bravery of Sarah, but also the obedience of, of Jonathan. Uh, and our job club, our job club just goes from strength to strength. So we start that again tomorrow. Uh, every time we hear someone who's got a job through our volunteers, our coaches, it, it really moves me. Revival has come. I've, uh, the other thing I've noticed over the year, that the only people that call me pastor are, are American missionaries <laughs> and um, some of the people at the job club. So we have Mr. Singh, he's a homeless man who we help to find a job and every, every Monday say, hello pastor, hello pastor. And so when the American missionaries came and they were like, Pastor, pastor, pastor. Like, who is that? <laughs> so if you're free tomorrow, come. Come along and volunteer. I remember Elias, uh, when he first came, he just said, uh, he came to the job club and six, seven months ago, and he said, this is the real deal. What we do on Sundays is good, but what we do at job club, this is the real deal. I know, yeah. I don't forget what he said. Another highlight has been the incredible beginnings of the Battersea site. This last Tuesday, nearly 40 of us heard the story, heard the beat, the rhythm that God has placed inside of us, the heartbeat of God that's been beaten inside of us, but then to discover that God's been, God's already been beaten in, in, in people's hearts already, the rhythm of God has been beaten in other people, it's already really come. Revival has come, yeah. and it's coming. You see, God is, is raising up an underground, unglamorous, ordinary group of yeah, people surrender to the script, scriptures worshiping yeah, him yeah. and being obedient to his voice mm. to then go and get scattered into and serve our communities to bring life to individuals in the city and beyond uh, do you know why revival has come to your communities your workplaces your home your coffee shops supermarkets the pubs the gym sports pitches do you know why revival has come 
Because you're there. Yeah. You're there. So good. That's why we're here. Yeah. You're there. Revival has come because you're there. So we're going to read Isaiah 61. Let's stand and read the scriptures. We're going to read just the first three verses of Isaiah 61. Uh, so let's all say this together. Uh, the Spirit of the Lord of the King is on me. The Lord has anointed me to tell good news before people. He has sent me to comfort those whose hearts have been broken. He has sent me to announce freedom for those who have been captured. He wants me to set prisoners free from their dark prisons. He has sent me to announce the year when he will set his people free. He wants me to announce the day when he will pay his enemies back. Our God has sent me to comfort all those who are sad. He wants me to help those in Zion who are filled with sorrow. I will put beautiful crowns on their heads in place of ashes. I will anoint them with oil to give them gladness instead of sorrow. This is the word of God. It's absolutely true and it's given to you and I in love. Why don't you grab our seats? Over the, next, over the next few weeks, we're going to take this, uh, this particular portion of Scripture seriously. As we come to the end of our, our year and move into that um, next year, we, we believe that this, this portion of Scripture is, uh, will set us up for the, for the years to come. We, we, we focus on Isaiah 61. It was the first thing that we read on our first Sunday morning, and it continued continually be something that we, we dip into, something that we, we use as our, as our mandate and our mission. Um, let me just give you some history. The book of Isaiah is named for the prophet who composed the book. And his name literally means the Lord is salvation. Uh, and so the, his mission and mandate, uh, Isaiah, was to, uh, was to turn Jews to the Lord as their only hope of salvation. Uh, one of my favourite commentators on, and theologians on Isaiah was a guy called Homer Haley. Uh, I like his name because he's Homer, uh, this Homer the theologian. And uh, he, in his introduction, he describes the prophet like this. Uh, Isaiah, a man of strong character, deep faith in God, courage and conviction, was the man of the hour whom the Lord selected to carry the torch of truth in the midst of spiritual darkness. Able to deal with any class, Isaiah was effective in court circles, among false religious leaders, and amongst common people. I love this bit. He, uh, this next bit. he had the mission of turning the people back to Jehovah. Never has there been any prophet like Isaiah, who stood with his head in the clouds and his feet on solid earth, with his heart on the things of eternity and his mouth and hands in the things of time with his spirit in the eternal counsel of God and his body in the very definite moment of history. And this is what he ends with. Truly, Isaiah, Isaiah may be called the dean of all prophets. Uh, it's a fascinating book, the book of Isaiah. And I, I strongly, you know, if you hear one thing today, I strongly go to the scriptures, devour the scriptures. Um, Isaiah is a fantastic, complicated, mysterious book, but but go to the scriptures. Isaiah's work as a prophet began in the year King uh, Azur of Judah died, about 740 years before the birth of Christ. And his call, for, for many of us, we, we've, heard, we've heard the scriptures in Isaiah 6, his, 
his call was this was accompanied by an apolot. Uh, I can say that. <laughs> you can do it. Apocalyptic. Apocalyptic vision of God and his throne. Certain words get me. So his call was because of a vision that he had of God. Uh, and, his, and his call lasted over 50 years. He was a prophet for about 53 years. And the Jewish tradition claims that he was sworn in two uh, at, the king of the, uh, at the command of a king. Can you imagine this? So, literally sworn in two. This is one of the traditions. And so Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, is a, is a messianic prophet. Uh, he prophesied about the Christ. He prophesied about the future coming Christ. And more than any other Old Testament prophet, Isaiah foretold the coming of Christ. And so the great theme of Isaiah is this salvation through the coming Messiah, the servant of the Lord. This is the main theme of Isaiah, this theme about prophesying that the, uh, the Messiah is coming. But there's also these two sub-themes in the book of Isaiah, which are really important as well. Um, the the sub-theme, some of it is about the holiness of the Lord. And uh, the phrase, the Holy One of Israel, is mentioned so many times in, in Isaiah, uh, especially uh, that God will be glorified over idols, those things that people set above God instead of God. Uh, showing the fact of what Isaiah was doing, was showing the fact there's only one true God, and it's foolish to worship other idols. I was thinking about what are our, what are our idols today? Alcohol? Uh, Instagram likes? Uh, our, our call towards relationships yeah. and our, the idol in our relationships, our body, our sexuality, our work, our fame, the list goes on. What are your idols? What are the things that you place before God? So holiness of the Lord was a really important thing for Isaiah. The other one was about humility before God. Isaiah calls those that... Um, are those that do God's will. He calls them servants. He uses servants to describe the nation of Israel, the Lord's prophets, the Messiah, the servant of the Lord that was to come, and the redeemed. So we fit into that. We are the redeemed. And uh, I love this. I, I'm a, I love stats. Every 10 years, the census comes out. Every, you know, on the 11, on the... I love, I love stats. And here's some fascinating stats about the book of Book of Isaiah. It's been called. Sorry, I'm coming out of order again. Um, the Book of Isaiah has been called the Little Bible. The Bible, in its entirety, has got 66 books. Isaiah has been divided into 66 chapters. As the theme of the Bible is salvation in Christ, Isaiah, above all else, and um, tells of the salvation of Christ. The Bible has these two major divisions. The Old Testament, which has got 39 books, and the New Testament, which has got 27 books. Okay, you still with me? Isaiah have, have these two main sections. The first 39 chapters are to do with the uh, Assyrian period. And the second half of the book, the, the next 27 chapters, it's to do with the Babylonian period. Okay, you with me? So, Old Testament, 39 books. First part of Isaiah, 39 chapters. New Testament, 
uh, 27 books. Isaiah has 27 chapters in the second half. The Old Testament talks about, is, is about condemnation, it's about judgment. The New Testament brings salvation. Isaiah, in the first 39 chapters, are about prophecies of judgment. Whereas the second half of Isaiah yeah. is, is talks about prophecies of peace and salvation. So what's, what's echoed in Isaiah is echoed throughout the whole, whole Bible. It's a fantastic book. There's so much depth. Uh, as, as many of you know, as you, it was the first thing that Jesus read as he made his public declaration of his ministry. Yes. Yeah. When he arrived in the temple, beginning his, uh, beginning his ministry, he made this declaration uh, to the scribes, to the scholars, to the Pharisees, to the Sadducees, uh, the religious communities. And he made this statement, and he was quoting from Isaiah. And he said, the spirit of the Lord God is on me, to preach good news, and so on and so on. As we know, the life of Jesus, he, 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 was, he, was, he was fulfilling his mandate, his mission. And he was saying, the spirit of the Lord God is on me. Then he commissioned his apostles. He said, the spirit of the Lord God is on you to go. And then the apostles tell the church, the spirit of the Lord God is on you as a church and, and disciples. We are commissioned. What Jesus spoke about from Isaiah we can take that scripture as well ourselves and we, and we, we know that and so the, the, the Isaiah can be read in these two ways, life of Jesus as his mission but also our mission as disciples um, what we're going to do is just land on the first verse if you like the spirit of the Lord God is on me um, I just wanted to be really honest and talk about the spirit of God and just for me really I find it sometimes easy to do life and to live and to go week by week and not know the spirit of God's presence on me. Um, and I don't know if that's, that's you as well. Sometimes we go through life just our own experiences, our own skills, our own knowledge, our own way of doing life and not realise the spirit of God's on us. We can go, it's one of, I, I think it's one of the, one of the greatest dangers for for us as Western Christians, and particularly churches like ours, we can go through life with just a shallow understanding of the Spirit of God's presence. Uh, we can live our life without knowing the Spirit of God is on us. Um, the, the, the temptation of, of the role I have, and for many of you, are going to be small group leaders. We can pursue God in order to help other people. I, I want to come towards God in order to, that I can help other people. I pursue God because I want more. Yeah. Uh, one of the rhythms and one of the challenges is that I don't want to just pursue God because I, I want more. I want to pursue God because I know there's more. Yeah. Do you get that? Yes. I, want to pursue, I don't pursue God because I just give me more, give me more, give me more. I pursue yeah. God because I want more. I know there's more. Yeah. There's more to... Uh, there's more to knowing the Spirit of God. It's why the Scriptures are fascinating, just to dive into the Scriptures. The, the New Testament talks about the Spirit of God on, on people and what, it, what it's like to live and what it's like to know the Spirit of God. Uh, but if we go back, if we remember, in the Old Testament they didn't differentiate, they didn't have the terms Trinity, there wasn't Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. For them there was just this one singular God, Yahweh, 
the God of their fathers. Uh, I often imagine us, when we go to eternity, we'll get Moses, David, Esther, Sarah, Abraham. They will come, come up to us. And they'll say, what was it like to have the Spirit of God on you? What was that like? Can you just come sit down and just tell me what it was like every day to, to have the Spirit of God on me? Tell, tell me everything. I just imagine Moses sitting down, big beard, you know, he's got a white cloak and he's got, he's quite focused, isn't he? He's quite kind of, it's like Steve. Tell me now, tell me everything. Um, the Hebrew word spirit, uh, here is, is the word ruach. I almost want us to kind of phlegm, turn to each other with a bit of phlegm and just say ruach. Just do, do that now, just take it like that. Take like a deep Just say one of us. It's that kind of it's that kind of nature. It's the Hebrew word. With a bit of phlegm. Uh, it's got this wide range of meaning. Uh, wind, air, breath, life, spirit, uh, in a sense of vivaciousness or vigour. Uh, the metaphor, the picture here is, is of this spirited horse, the spirit, the ruach, it's this spirited horse uh, in the sense of something not seen. Uh, and the New Testament word, is, it refers to the active, dynamic presence of God. It's this active, dynamic presence of God. And so this entire phrase has this, uh, the verse has this specific meaning. The spirit, the ruach of Yahweh came upon me. It refers to this dynamic presence of God urging and enabling a person in a certain course of action, usually to accomplish God's mission for the world. That was that sense. And that's the sense now. I was then thinking this week, just up until the cross, the cross of Jesus, humanity had to go somewhere. They had to go up a mountain. They had to go to a temple, maybe once a year, in order to encounter God, in order to talk to God. You, you had to do that. You couldn't just have God's Spirit, His presence. You had to go somewhere. Imagine Moses coming up to us. What was it like not having to go up the mountain to the presence of God? What was it like to have it the Spirit on us the whole time. Yeah. And so up until the cross, all of humanity, they just knew this. It's fascinating. Imagine the time of disciples. Those few weeks before and after the cross. It's like the switch changed. Something shifted. Mm. And that's why the cross is called the greatest mystery. It's called the greatest mystery. Because all of humanity had been longing. And all of a sudden, in a moment, one second... In the period of those, that time, all of that got switched. Uh, and there's this great story uh, in, in Acts 2. After, the re after Jesus was resurrected, and the disciples were, uh, and about 100 others were in a room. I don't know how big it was, probably a bit smaller than this. Acts 2 says this, And suddenly a sound from heaven, like a rush of, of a mighty wind. You hear that? The, the wind, the, the rush the active, dynamic presence of God. And, and suddenly a sound from heaven like a rush of mighty wind 
and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire, distributed and resting on each of them. The Spirit got on them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So this whole thing of the Spirit of God is on us is massive. We know from an intellectual point of view, don't we? But I want to challenge us and challenge me. There's a whole other dimension. There's so, there's so much more. There's so much more. Jesus, he, he talks about the Spirit of God in, in Acts 1. And he was saying that the experience of the baptism of the Holy Spirit will bring power to be witnesses in, in the Christian life. For us as 21st century Christians, I was thinking, for some of us, I don't know, I don't know, what a powerless Christian needs is a baptism in the Holy Spirit. Do you feel powerless? What we need is a a baptism in the Holy Spirit. And that's all of us. Anyone here feel powerless or anxious, fearful? Two Timothy, again, the, whole, the New Testament gives you so much. Two Timothy 1, it says, God, God doesn't give us a spirit of fear. It, it says, it, sorry, write it down. God gave us his spirit, and the spirit doesn't make us weak or fearful. In, instead, the spirit, the ruach, the dynamic presence of God gives us power and love and helps us control ourselves. Helps us with our idols. All anxiety bows in the presence of Jesus, yes. who's the keeper of peace. If he is really the Prince of Peace, yes. the Holy Spirit doesn't come with fear. He, come, he comes with power and love. And so, uh, I'm going to end, and then I'm going to hand over to Ali. He's going to tell a quick story from the weekend. My four-step program. I've got about two minutes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Full step program. <laughs> um, I'm a most powerful woman. Um, Full step program for, for the Holy Spirit. Get a Bible. Sorry. That's fine. The awesome's in the awkward. Get a Bible yourself. You're not going to discover everything about scriptures on a Sunday. This is you and your personal devotions, you and your personal walk with Jesus. Get a Bible and begin to check of how you receive the Holy Spirit. Find, discover the scriptures about the Holy Spirit. Let me give you a top tip. Google scriptures of the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Or if you've got a study Bible, if you just look up where it says in Acts 2 verse 38, which says, if you repent and get baptised, you will receive the Holy Spirit. That seemed to be a common thread in the Gospels and in the New Testament, in the Book of Acts. People repented, they got baptised, and they got filled with the Holy Spirit. Repent away from your idols, your habits that lead you away from God and lead you away from yourself. Get fully baptised in water if you haven't done so already. Ask God then ask God to give you the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And you ask by praying out loud. Yes. Ask for the Holy Spirit. Then, then you will be um, witnesses. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me just caveat this. Sorry, Ali. Yeah. We will never influence the world that we live in if we try... If, sorry. 
We will never... Can I read my writing? <laughs> we will never influence the world until we stop trying to imitate it. Yeah. 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 We just, it just doesn't work. Mm. We try to copy the culture in order to influence it. It never works. We can yeah. never influence the world just by copying it. Yeah. Um, we ask for it. And just like Jonathan, we're obedient to what God says to us. Even if it calls us out of our comfort zone. Um, Ali, why don't you give us a couple of minutes on top tips on how we receive the Holy Spirit? I can come now, yeah? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, um, first of all, I, Steve, I love, like, just, like, just the simplicity and the beauty of how you're doing the things. It's just, um, just mind-blowing. And just how on point and well done. That was amazing. Thank you very much. And as well, I'm totally blown away with how aligned it is with what I brought this morning and just literally the whole layout has just been perfect. Um, so, um, this weekend I was at uh, Winchester Vineyard, which I didn't know existed. Winchester is awesome. <laughs> and um, uh, I was there for a conference with Isabel Allen that was put on by Catch the Fire, which was really just, I mean, what was released there and the level that she um, that level that she imparted was at a different level for Isabel. And if you don't, if you know anything about Isabel, Isabel, um, if you just go online and read about her, she's died twice, walks around with Jesus. Jesus delivers her shoes personally. I mean, she's got a relationship with the man, with Holy Spirit, and with the Lord. And she walks with them like as a cult. They're just they're a gang. They walk together, and it just kind of one of those things that just drives you to be like, okay, well, I I, I want that too. And I think every um, everything that she spoke about was about that, was about the Holy Spirit and about that relationship with the Holy Spirit and about the fact that every story in the Bible and every character was a me too opportunity. So in, in line with what Steve is saying, I'm going to give the, the four things um, and what kind of started even me on that journey, but the first thing. so. Keeping in line with the Holy Spirit, making sure that you always have the Spirit with you and, and that you that you always have His presence because at the end of the day, we can't do anything on our own. Like, we can do absolutely nothing. We can barely get up and breathe in the morning if it's not done for Him. So, thank you, Holy Spirit. Um, the first thing that I remember was um, uh, just um, Exodus 33. Um, talking to God as a man speaks to a friend. That was the first thing that kick-started me, was realizing that if Moses could see God as a friend, so could I. So practicing talking to Holy Spirit every minute of the day, talking to him about everything, every single thing from the dishwashing to the kids to yeah. everything, right. and inviting him in every single minute, because if you are engaged with the Holy Spirit like that in every second, there's absolutely no room for the enemy in your thoughts. Um, the second thing she said was become a master repenter. That was really good. She said she has bubbles. She has those things that pop up and it's like, oh, that's a really cringy thought. I've judged that one. I've done this one. But what she does is automatically she takes it to the Lord. She's like, so I'm really good. sorry about that. Just automatic repentance. Like that David's yeah. heart, automatic. Um, the other thing that she said was speaking kindly one to, um, to another, one, unto one another. So there's a scripture. I didn't get time to look for that one. But she said basically... Speaking at all times 
you know, about each other and about things that give glory to God. In, in like ensuring that you safeguard the presence of heaven, that you don't allow a foothold. You speak, even if somebody annoys you, you speak about that person with blessing and you give thanks. And the thing she talked about was thankfulness, like being constantly thankful for everything. She said, if you are thankful for everything, even the tests and the trials, even the difficult bits, she said, the enemy had just no foothold at all. Wow. None, because you've already given it over to the Lord. Even if you don't understand, you don't need to. Just thank God at all times. And then, um, speaking in tongues. So, a lot of us think that speaking in tongues needs to be verbal. It doesn't need to be verbal. Your spirit can speak in tongues at all yeah, times. You can be yeah. actively speaking in tongues at all times. So, speaking in tongues at all times. And um, the, the song of your heart... You ever wake up in the morning and you're automatically singing up, singing like something to the Lord and it's amazing you can hear it, you know, amazing grace and you're like, oh great, I'm in a good mood today. And by the afternoon you're singing Rihanna and you're like, how did that switch? <laughs> so, um, so I think like just just making sure that the song of your heart is like tuned onto the radio yeah. heaven. Like just make sure you're always singing uh, singing something to the Lord. And um, that Rihanna thing actually takes me into a good point, which is something she said about making sure your appetites are right. So Luke yeah. brought something the other day about Netflix. He's absolutely right. Yeah. Um, Holy Spirit does not like when you sit down and engage with sex and violence and things that, I mean, sorry guys, Game of Thrones is wrong. Like we just got to leave it alone. <laughs> I'm going to say it. So like making sure that you're eating the right things yeah. and you're consuming the right things and that you're cultivating the atmosphere of heaven. And if you don't know if it's right, you know, Harry Potter to God knows whatever else, ask Holy Spirit. He'll tell you, I'm not really feeling that, guys. Just can we leave that alone for the day? Yeah. You know, maybe he might give you a covering and he wants you to learn something in it. And it's true, he can teach you something through some things. Yeah. But maybe just check in. And I think the last one Steve already covered, which was, you know, um, asking for the Holy Spirit. Just asking him, just, I need more of you. I can't do this. Just come in and help. So, yeah. Okay. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Tune in next week for another life-giving message from one of our BBC speakers.